Good morning and welcome to Let's Talk Gardening. I'm Earl Coombs and I am joined with by with uh, by with in presence with <laughs> Terry Kemper. Good morning, Terry. <laughs> I'm here. Yeah, good morning. All right. How are you? I'm doing good. It's uh you've been uh I've seen you all week here, so you're head down in the in the computer digging through all your database, getting all the trees and perennials and shrubs and everything lined up and uh ready to go for spring we just gotta wait for it to wait for it to come along for us yeah to me it definitely feels like it's here can't wait um yeah it's when the sun comes out it's sure nice like you you definitely feel it and uh, yeah until you have to trudge through the two feet of snow that we still have but other than (laughs) that (laughs) yeah i uh i just uh poked around out in the uh in the tree lot uh this past week actually just to see how deep our snow was out there and it's yeah we got a beautiful snow cover this year so um i wanted to go up closer to our, our overwintered uh trees um but didn't get very far on because i didn't have the right footwear on so uh it's yeah been uh, it's been a bit of a long winter but nice to see that snow cover for sure it's gonna be a great absolutely spring. did you see my tire tracks out there no i didn't oh. <laughs> I must have got there before you did. Yeah, I started going out there. Same thing. I was kind of, I was coming around the back. So I said, oh, "I'm going to drive by and sort of see how they look and sort of trees." And <laughs> then I get, I get stuck. And uh, so I said, "Okay, here's a perfect opportunity to chase." My new truck has this little dial on it, and you right. change it, and it goes deep snow, ruts, mud, and then it says rocks, and all this fancy picture comes up. I'm like, "Okay, let's give her a try." Slip it over to the deep snow. And sure enough, it just crawled me out of that. I was like, "Wow, I was pretty, I was pretty stuck." And I was just, the worst thing is my my. I would have had to call probably my daughter. She was the only one in operating the machine, so I would have had to say, "Jane, I'm stuck." So, Come on, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that that would have been all over pictures and, uh, and shared everywhere. But uh, anyways, the old uh, the old mighty Ford uh, pulled me out of there, no problem. Right so on. I was uh, I was uh, I was impressed. The old my old rock in the old the old way wasn't working, so I, I thought, hey, yeah, I better try this fancy dial I got on my truck. So, anyways, <laughs> it worked. So, uh, I'm thankful for my for my truck to get me out of there. So, anyways, it was more for for your ego than anything yeah. else. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, so yeah, lots of snow, which is good, and it's a slow melt. And actually, even this coming week, it looks great. So, again, if you have some of those piles, like I noticed the snow is gone underneath my spruce trees and it's creeping out pretty quickly um, wherever it is. So that's sort of where you see the melt happening, right, is uh, underneath your trees, things like that. So it's a perfect opportunity to try and throw some more snow in there, get it melting in those spots. Wherever you see the snow melting, that's where you need to put the snow. So. Yeah. Um, it, it pretty self-explanatory when you when you see that. Um, just add some more snow to those things. Let it soak in slowly, and uh, your trees and shrubs and everything will be uh, more than thankful. And then uh, you and I are taking a trip not this week but the following week. We're going up Actually, to visit yep. all our growers and uh, and to see how everything's looking. I sent a bunch of our planter recipes out to to uh, Vinny and Thomas, our growers, on some of our hangers and some of the things um, for for a lot of our custom hangers that we get done 
So we, we just, uh, I adjusted a few of the recipes this year for, for the plant variations. And so I got a bunch of those sent out to them. So we'll be able to see them planted up um, when we're out there in a couple of weeks. Oh, so great. looking forward to yeah. that's sort of my kickoff to spring is my my spring trip out to the Vancouver area. Yeah. And because uh, we, we do have a lot of our growers out there and uh, and then also in the Okanagan, um, we have a lot of nursery growers. And then we have uh, growers up here in Alberta that uh, for annuals as well. So we, we kind of cover the couple Western provinces with our growing partners that uh, help us bring all those great plants to us. So looking forward to visiting all them. It's been a few months um, since we've, uh, since we've seen them and then been able to walk through greenhouses and, and everything. So looking forward to that. Yeah, me too. And I'm excited by the selections we have coming in as well. Uh, I've gone through the list just like you said in the past week and there's just some great, great stuff uh, coming in. So I know I'm going to be going home, uh, leaving part of my paycheck uh, at the store. (laughs) Absolutely. Might as well get what you want then, right? (laughs) Well, yeah. And and I don't mind so much when it's, um, you know, um, plants and, you know, even if it's annuals that, you know, I can enjoy for an entire season. Uh, Perennials too, you know, it might be a little heavier investment, uh, at the beginning, but you know, you, you plant them right and take care of them, and before you know it, you're you're dividing those and uh, increasing. And you know it. what, Terry? Like I and I do. Like he said, we could have a liquor store or something where we you buy that bottle of wine and it's gone that night, right? And you, yep. you just drop sixty bucks or something. Exactly. Um, so I, I mentioned that to people like when they're talking about it on their patio. Well, that's that's a bit expensive, but when you put that on your patio, you're creating that ambiance for for like all summer long. So you get three or four months of enjoyment out of those plants. So you want to look after them, make sure you get the proper size pots, get the right soil, get the fertilizer, um, put a little effort in with them. And it's amazing what you'll get out of that. Then that, uh, that bottle of wine is uh, tastes that much better when you're sitting on your own little tropical paradise on your patio or you're looking out into your backyard and that, uh, that uh, either your Coke Zero or your or your margarita or your mojito, or whatever you're having, <laughs> just tastes that much better. Like it just, yeah. you, you you worked hard in the yard that day and you get to sit back. And my favorite, I love throwing the sprinklers and I I, I like the heads that kind of, they give a little bit of a spray. Um, it's sort of kind of a, a pattern spray. Right. So yeah. I enjoy throwing the sprinklers on once in a while just to, to sit in the morning and have the coffee out there too. And, and just watch the sprinklers go. It kind of, I don't know. It's the little things like that that kind of keep you keep you happy, keep you sane, yeah. I guess. So yeah, uh, looking forward to a great, uh, great season coming up here. Absolutely. And if you want to join us, phone lines are wide open four zero three nine seven four eight two five five. That is the talk and text line. And the first day of spring is coming up on Tuesday. Um, I believe will be March 21st, first day of spring. So away we go. Spring solstice is starting, and uh, that's uh, we're gonna get going. And I always like going down. There's usually a couple of the creeks. We have Pine Creek going through our property, and a lot of times it starts to run 
right around this time. I think it's going to be a little later this year, um, just with the way the weather's been and things like that. But that's also one of my sure signs that that spring is going. That that creek just starts raging down below, and then you know the water's flowing, and then the the ice is going. Um, so lots of uh, lots of different things. I was watching. And this is a garden that I went to when I was in England years and years ago. Um, I went to look at English gardens because we were building a, a big uh, garden right. um, for for a guy I was working with. And uh, so we went to the Lost Garden of Halligan. And so if you ever over, it's down in Cornwall, in England. It's sort of a big estate garden. It's so cool. It's sort of on the sub, like, sort of like Vancouver, sort of par tropical. So they have palm trees. Um, they have manure heated pineapple pit so they grow pineapples there um but they use manure so they get the spontaneous combustion going through these in-ground chambers and things like that and then they have a coal-fired heated wall where they have uh peaches and different things growing on this wall so it's it's just interesting but on one of their posts yesterday or day before on instagram um or Twitter, I can't remember whatever it was, but they uh, they were happy that the beaver came back, and I'm just thinking in my own mind. I know I have a couple of beavers that I'm dealing with down below, and um, um, I don't know. The, I don't think they realize over there in England that those beavers don't sleep; they they chew 24 hours a day. So just, <laughs> and I'm not sure if I'd want them in an historical garden. I'm not sure how that's a good mix, but. So I, I left a comment on their on their post. Be careful; these little critters chew twenty four hours a day. So, anyways, <laughs> they, they um, look cute, but yeah, yeah. There was a few uh, Canadians over there that were patriotic. Oh, it's awesome to see a beaver. I'm just like, yeah, just be careful what you wish for. <laughs> Some of those things, like beavers, are great in certain areas, um, like along the river. But man, they can they can chew up. I remember just living down in Riverstone. The city had planted a bunch of new trees right along the bus stop and up on the main road coming down. <laughs> the beavers chewed them down the next day. Like, yep, they're <laughs> they're laying on the ground and I was just kind of laughing. They're like fresh, fresh, fresh meat for the beavers to chew down. But anyways, um, good luck with that. I hope that uh, maybe they have a different plan or maybe the beavers over there are a little more trained or, or cultured as the English people. So who knows? Anyways. I ramble on about uh, things. Well, I'll have to, uh, check them out later today on the, on Instagram and see. Uh... Yeah, and if you, if you, anybody if you if you are over there and you're touring, it's such a beautiful estate garden. It's like I think it's 300 years old that the Royal Horticultural Society has jumped in and they've refurbished it, reclaimed it as it uh, was about. But you just you can imagine that this was a, a an estate garden where they grew all their own food. So they made this coal-fired heated wall, and it's just, it's phenomenal. It's just, it's just so neat to see, and you think back like 100 years or whatever, two, 300 years, but how they're doing it, sort of like the Viking things. Yeah. I don't know. It, 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 it's just pretty interesting to think um, what they went through to, to grow some simple food that, uh, that we take for granted so easily. You just walk to the grocery store and, and pick it up or... We grow it in our pots now with all our um, mechanical devices that that work in our in all of our farms and things like that. So, anyways, yeah. it's good to look back and reflect 
on some yeah, of that absolutely. stuff of, of how fast we've evolved and uh and and things like that and we were we were chatting about that yesterday with uh melissa and jessica in the tropical section just about pruning and and how when we look at a lot of the plants when they come in i was showing them all the roses and if you look at the cut roses that we have or the indoor roses that we have in the tropical section right now if yep. you look at the inners of them if you just hold it up to your eyes and you sort of look you can see the silhouette of it where it was cut back before that new flush uh, of growth came so it was probably on a bench and they probably had an automated machine like a big lawnmower that had rails on each side and just went over and cut that whole bench at the same height all the way across and then it flushes up and but if they had to do that manually it, it would be astronomical amount of work and time so it was just interesting. So we were just uh, we were poking around. A couple of our roses had grown quite large. So we pruned them back yesterday. We were we were talking about some pruning techniques and things like that. So I was just working with the girls a little bit in the greenhouse there yesterday, and uh, it was good. It was uh, it was just nice to to see some of those, uh, like I said, techniques and and digging down and and sharing with uh, sharing with our team and and getting everybody ready for spring. And uh, I know Mark is going to be doing a pruning course um, down at the garden center in April. I think it's April 16th, I believe it is. And uh, so you can sign up for that. I think there's still a couple spots left for that. So if you want to um, yeah, get some hands-on pruning <laughs> with Mark Trozo, he's our operations uh, pruning guru and uh, ISA certified lead down there keeps everything going in the pruned up department um he he's going to be doing a hands-on uh pruning course for a couple hours that day with uh, a bunch of people that want to sign up for that so that'll be looked i know you and chris have signed up for that too and uh you guys are going to yep, attend i understand you and uh, always great to to learn those kind of things anyways um we're going to take a quick break and when we get back, we can take some calls and uh, and text. If you'd like to join us, 403-974-8255. You're listening to Let's Talk Gardening on QR Calgary. Welcome back to Let's Talk Gardening. And Let's Talk Gardening is brought to you by Spruce It Up Calgary's year-round full-service garden center. Spruce it up, green it up, prune it up. We got you covered and we do have one caller, but phone lines are wide open, 403-974-8255. And we have Gene on the line. Good morning, Gene. Good morning. Hi, how can we help you? Um, I have two. I'm, I'm kind of hoarse this morning. I have two hibiscus, uh, one in the living room, one in the kitchen in front of the window. And they're, they are blooming, but they're not doing well. The leaves look kind of dry, and lots of them are falling off. Okay, and actually, this time of year, you will see a bit of it's a bit of transition to the longer days as well. Um, have you, um, like, how long have you had these for quite oh, a while? Or they're a few years. Okay, and have they been transplanted or anything? No, not lately. Okay. And I'm watering them from the bottom, and you know they have a sitting in a dish yeah that, which is good but once in a while it is good if you can um get them into a, a sink or 
or some of that and flush them from the top and let the water run out the bottom as well um, just to help clear out because our water is a little bit hard as well so it, it helps clean it out I'd probably recommend it needs to get transplanted as well as well um, they, they do get fairly root bound and if it's been a few years I'd probably look at uh, transplanting them into a new pot well, and they that's do like a good the idea yeah, and they like the they do like the fertilizer thirty ten ten a little bit more acidic. Good. Yeah, we'll, it's the we'll, evergreen uh, food. I have some. Yeah, they love that, and make sure it has bright light, and just check for bugs. And you and you can cut them back a bit. So if some of the branches have kind of got a little bit long and lady leggy on you, you can just just shape it back into a a nice formation. Um, they don't mind that because when you're when you see them like down in California or Mexico, wherever you are. And you'll see that they trim them up all the time, like hedging and different things. And, and they they respond really quite well to that. Thank you so much. We'll try that. All right. Thanks, Gene. Good luck. Thank you. Bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. Um, hey, Terry, like a lot of those plants, and, and, and it goes to a lot of them at this time of year, you're going to see them. Um, transform from winter time the amount of light they have into this new light coming too so some it stresses not really stress them out but they if they don't have the energy and that to pull out of the root system same thing they kind of start struggling because the new growth will come up it looks a little bit wimpy it looks a little bit ragged a bit or if there's a bunch of deadwood or or it it's it they so they did they need rejuvenation as well yeah, absolutely. Uh, and a lot of people think, you know, that, um, well, I've had that, you know, plant potted in that pot for two or three years, not thinking that, you know, the any of the um, the nutrient that's, that soil is, you know, uh, providing to that plant uh, has probably been burnt up um, in those few years. So it never hurts to, uh, even if you're not going up uh, a pot size, just to, um, you know, Lay a tarp out or some newspaper, um, and yep. give those things a, a new a new refresh with some new soil. Yeah, it just shake some of the soil up, like you were saying, pull them out. Just give the the roots a bit of a rubbing sort of thing, like removing yep. some of the old soil and stuff like that. Maybe cut a bit of the roots away. Just make and, sure. Uh, I would probably water them a day or two before. Um, yep. I, I did that, uh, making the job much easier and you know uh, less stress on the plant too. Uh, if you're going to tip that over and, and those roots are then a little easier to pull apart and, and get that new soil um, in around those roots. Absolutely. Yep. Um, and actually, yeah, Pat from Red Deer, he says, would you talk a bit about the t- nutritional value of greenhouse-grown vegetables as compared to those grown in the ground? Um, and this is Pat. I, I, I'm not... I would I would assume that a lot of them growing in the greenhouse, um, a lot of them would have, um, and I, I guess it all depends on how they're growing. Because I know a lot of the gr- greenhouse and the new grown are certified organic growing, so I think you're going to get a lot of good nutritional value um, out of those. And, and the same as out of uh, if they're growing in the ground. As as long as the uh, the ground and it's it's sometimes more what you do to them and the and the varieties, and if you're trying to stress them and fertilize them like crazy to get them growing, um, that does stre- that does stress that out a bit. But 
what do you what are your thoughts on that, Terry, on nutritional value of veggies grown versus? Uh, I guess I you know I can see you know Pat's point there. Like, is one better than the other? Is maybe what he's trying to get at. But you know, I also think um, lots of vegetables are grown hydroponically too. Yeah. Yeah, actually, I'm going to look. I'm going to look into that a little bit after the break, and we're, we'll continue talking about that right after the break. Okay. We're going to take a break for the news. You're listening to Let's Talk Gardening on QR Calgary. Welcome back, to Let's Talk Gardening. I'm Earl Coombs, and I'm your Terry Kemper. So I did do a little bit of research here, Terry, just regarding nutritional value. And it does, it does state, and like I was sort of saying, um, in, in soil and in the ground, there is a bit more um, nutritional value on some of the stuff grown in the ground, for sure. But that it's, it's hard, um, <clears throat> and I guess a lot of it is, is coming into Upper Canada, where we are greenhouse growing. And I think we, we need it, though, and maybe we might sacrifice a small amount of of maybe nutritional value, but we just can't grow year round outside here and we can't grow enough to keep, um, keep the produce. And I'm not sure if I want all the preservatives sprayed on them to keep them. So I know quite a few of the guys are growing tomatoes and, yeah. and strawberries and a lot of the veggies, um, here. And I think, um, to get them fresh, I still think we're better off. Um, so, but I guess there's nothing like you go out to your yard and you get those fresh carrots, um, potatoes, stuff right out of the ground. Uh, I do agree that like, those are pretty tasty. Yeah, for sure they are. So, anyways, I'm. Uh, I think I think sometimes in whatever situation you need to look at what you are sacrificing or gain or or lose, um, depending on your situation. And I. I'm. I think I'm okay with that. I. I think it. Uh, we got to become become a little bit more self-sustainable in the northern hemisphere, um, just with the cost of fuel, trucking, the whole thing, bringing those avocados and tomatoes and strawberries up from Mexico. Um, I'm pretty happy seeing some of the stuff and tasting some of the strawberries and that being grown up here in Canada in greenhouses and a lot more growing them in soil and different ways that they're growing them. So, uh, tasting pretty good. So I'm going to, I'm going to go with, uh, still the Canadian growing myself, but still. anyways, <laughs> up for debate as is everything, correct? Yeah. Uh, I guess I can see his point, you know, just growing vegetables and call it a closed system, right? Where you don't have that benefit of, you know, maybe the, all the, micronutrients and the complexities that you know soil uh, out in our, our gardens have but certainly wouldn't discount um growing vegetables you know inside in containers or in containers period um just using the right fertilizer uh there's obviously choices when it comes to fertilizer i tend to like using organic fertilizers on things i'm going to eat but that yep. being said um <clears throat> i've also you know splashed the Twenty 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 on things in in the garden and have consumed it and so it's I think it just is it's about balance right so yeah a little, and a lot of those fertilizers like they're not like they're not manufactured like they're natural products still like it's nitrogen phosphate oh and, yeah absolutely yeah we're not yeah it's not 
man-made chemical. No, so, we're not building stuff in labs and yeah. Yeah. Shh. Yes, we are. No. I'm just well, <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> no. So you you are using natural products still, um, but it's 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 not a like a living micro organisms with the evolved products or different things and we're probably almost due for a session here with sheldon um we always enjoy when sheldon gazel comes on he's the evolved products guy who, who created the rage and and all the stuff that we sell and you can get that at a lot of different garden centers it's uh it's it's he has such great products but we better get to the phone lines here a little bit too terry we're gonna Wait. go to joyce good morning joyce yeah Yes, I have three amaryllis that I bought at Ikea, and they are waxed. They're finishing the second bloom, and they were just gorgeous. Yeah. I also have three out in the garage from last winter. So what do I do with six amaryllis bulbs once they're done blooming? Once they're done blooming, I would just keep them growing like a houseplant. Let them, they, they should send out a bunch of leaves. Okay. After after they're done blooming, they'll send out probably eight or ten leaves or or something like that. Who knows? Between four and ten leaves. So let them just keep growing like a house plant for a couple months. So that what that's doing is it's regenerating the the bulb itself. So, and then once, so say so here we are. We're at end of March. So April, May. So maybe the end of May to stop watering them and just let them just die back totally. And then at that point, once all the leaves have crinkled up, and you can also feed them a couple times when all the leaves are out like this. So you want to feed them with a 15, 30, 15. So okay. something with a higher middle number, and that'll right. help regenerate the bulb and get that phosphate right. level back up into the bulb. So next okay. next winter, um, when you want to pull that out to get it grown again, you're going to uh, have enough phosphate in there to create the bulb or create the bloom that uh, that we all sought after to get those right. gorgeous looking uh, amaryllis things looking so good. Okay, mine they were beautiful. What type of soil do I use then? Just just like a regular good potting soil is is great. Um, oh. Don't use like a heavy like soil from outside. Like get a, a bag of good potting soil, tropical plant soil, indoor potting soil is perfect. Yeah. Okay, well, thank you very much. Yeah, and then once it's done, just put them in a cool, dark place, cut all the leaves off, store them in that cool, dark place, like down in the basement in a cardboard box that's really dry. And right. if you have a little bit of uh, even some of the potting soil, if it, make sure it's really dry, and you can just store them in that. And then next uh, November or whatever, you can pull them back out and uh, repot them, and away you go again. Wow, amazing. Okay. All right. Thank you very much. All, All right. right. Thanks, Joyce. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. Um, are you saving any of your uh, amaryllis, Terry? Uh, I try to. <laughs> uh, I have done other years and, and been quite successful at it. Uh, it's yeah. been a few years since I've actually um, uh, brought some home and, and grown them on, and I, I need to do that again. There was a time I had probably five or six bulbs going uh, yeah. and just got out of that habit, so... Yeah, I didn't have any this year because I was uh, we were moving out of our house right uh, right after Christmas there, so I didn't bring any because I knew I wouldn't have anywhere for them, and I didn't do any amaryllis. But typically, I always have some amaryllis in the house. Uh, 
um, over the holidays and, and things like that. Cause just enjoy them. Just that pure color of a bulb. Oh yeah. Um, you could not beat them for, for the amount of show that they give you for, for, for so little investment. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. All right. We're going to take a quick break. Um, and then when we get back, we'll go back to the callers. Um, if you want to join us, 403-974-8255. You're listening to Let's Talk Gardening on QR Calgary. Welcome back to Let's Talk Gardening. I'm Earl Coombs. And I'm here with uh, Terry Kemper as well. He's the tree lot perennial manager down at Spruce It Up Garden Center. And we're going to go to the phone lines. And phone lines are wide open, 403 974 255. If you like to join us, please do. That is the talk and text line. And I have Alan on the line. Good morning, Alan. Good morning, Merle. How are you? Good, good. How can we help you? Merle, we got quite a deer problem in town here, and they've eaten all the leaves off my globe cedars and my cedars and my Mongolian pines. And I was just wondering, what will they come back, or what do should I do? Or um. Depends if they've taken all the ends off the pines, it's going to be a lot harder for them to come if they've taken all the buds off. Well, the cedars, the I know they. Yeah, I. All you can do is wait to this spring, and see if they send out new shoots. Um, if they don't, then <laughs> it's kind of a fifty-fifty shot. Oh boy. Yeah, Some and the cedars the they've like been trimmed years. off. Yeah, so cedars you can you, you can trim all the because they probably left the top half. Well, as much yeah, what they couldn't reach, yeah. <laughs> so if you wanted to, you could continue to trim the trunk off and make it look like a topiary on the top or something. Okay, but the globe cedars like that that'd be a little different. Yeah, no, they're done, unfortunately. Oh okay. Yeah, so a product that you can use is called Bobex. And it does work. You can spray it right on the foliage. You have to okay. do it about once a month. Okay. But I should have done that right away. I guess a little late now. Yeah, it's too late now. Yeah. Yeah. But there's not much we can do then. No, just sort of see if they flush out um, in the spring here. You might see some growth come. Okay. Um, if you start seeing some, maybe hit them with some fertilizer, like 30-10-10, just to help push some more growth. Okay. 30, 10, but 10. it'll tell you pretty early on. Okay. But that, 30, 10, 10. Yep. Okay, that's what I will do. I'll see what happens. I All guess. right. Yeah, I've se yeah, we're seeing a lot of it. And I think we're going to see a lot of mouse damage on trunks of trees when this snow melts. So I would also recommend everybody go around the trunks of your trees, pull the snow away from, especially newly planted trees. Okay. All right. Okay, thanks, Merle. All right, take care. Thanks, Alan. Yeah, that's a big one, Terry, is what I'd especially, like, we, we, you and I have talked about the benefits of the snow, but it also creates uh, quite the issue for uh, mice, mouse damage, rabbits underneath. Um, but more so, it's the mice. They, If all the snow is piled against the trunk of your trees that you planted last year, um, they 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 love that. So it's sort of like a little parkade. They can just they can just crawl all around the trunk of the tree all the way up and just eat all the bark off. And uh, and I've seen a couple pictures of people sending in stuff to us like a foot high off the ground, just chewed off. Just chewed, yeah. And, 
And and at that point, there's not much you can do because they've taken it right down to the Cambian layer, which is um, it's hard. There's not a lot of combat. You can try um, if you can get on it as soon as it thaws a bit. You can try and coat it all like with a lac balsam, which is a bark replacement. But uh, I've I, over the years, it's just it's not going to. They don't rebark themselves over that. So um, unfortunately, it's almost a death to a tree. Yeah, sadly, uh, that is the case. You know, the circulatory system of the tree is contained in that, that outer ring of, of bark there. Um, those, yeah. What they call xylem and phloem channels. So I've, I've heard you mention many a time as well um, in the show that it is important to keep the, the snow, you know, away from the trunk. So um, the benefit isn't going to be that snow cover around the trunk. So if you can, you, you, you think of it uh, on, those, on those trees that... Or maybe, you know, ones that you've got, you know, a fair investment in. Get the shovel out and just shovel that area around the trunk to keep that damage to a minimum. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, and yeah, and, and that's part of our our pros and cons of winter snow, no snow, different things of uh, what we have to deal with when we when we have all this. But let's go to the phone line. We're going to go to Ben. Good morning, Ben. Hi. Good morning. How are you guys? We're doing good. Doing good. That's good. Um, I sent you two photos. Uh, okay. One of a hibiscus and one of a Chinese evergreen. So I have two questions. Yeah. Yeah, I got those. The hibiscus bush that we have, we've had it for a few years. It, this year it likes to be blooming in the front room. It's on its fifth bloom. But some of the leaves are turning discolored, kind of yellow-whitish. Yeah. Yeah, it looks like you got a bit of a fungus going on on some of those leaves. Um, <clears throat> just looking at <clears throat> what he's getting is some black spots into it. I I would I would come and get a um, a Bordeaux a fungicide like a copper spray, and I might treat that. Just and also just take a look in the leaves for any spider mites or, or aphids at this time of year. They love going after hibiscus. So I notice you have a bit of chewing and a bit of curling on some of your leaves. Yeah. So I'm just thinking you might have uh, a fungus going on there. So I would remove those leaves. Just just pull all the ones that aren't looking great off. And uh, how, how tall is that plant? Uh, about three and a half feet. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so what – and it looks like a freshly – looks like fairly new soil. Yeah, it was really tell totally, but, about, I don't know, maybe six months ago. Yeah, and just, just watch over the winter. Sometimes we'll see that, like, maybe watered a little bit too much. Um, and just, just – so just be careful of that over the winter. But I would just remove some of those – any of those leaves that you see those spots on. It, it looks like you're getting a, a fungus in there, so I'd probably treat it with a copper spray. Um, give it a little bit of a soil drench with that. Give it a little bit of water. You could even spray um, the leaves with uh, pure spray green. Okay. And because it's a fungicide and a and an insecticide, so if you have any spider mites or or aphids on there, it'll help you out with that for sure. Okay. Perfect. Um, All right. Yeah, it just uh, needs a good cleanup, and then. And then once you get it kind of healthy again, you can give it a, a couple good shots of that 30-10-10 every couple of weeks and uh, get some good growth going on there. 
Okay, um, and I do have a second question, really quick. Um, my Chinese yeah. evergreen, one of the stems kind of broke off. I think it was because it was too yeah. heavy. Are they easy to propagate? Um, I see you got it in a glass of water right now. Yeah. Um, I would pull that one bottom leaf off and just expose the node a bit more. Um, okay. You can definitely try it like this. I, I'm always amazed at how many of the plants um, propagate really easily in water. Um, and I'd probably remove a couple of the leaves because it's a little bit harder if you have too many leaves on because it's trying to hydrate all those leaves at the same time as create roots. Okay. So so maybe just remove a couple sets of the leaves and, and then go from there. Um, uh, they should be. It's a soft tissue. It should propagate really easily. And you do have some joins. You have some nodes in there. So it should propagate uh, um, quite easily for you. Okay. Perfect. Thank All you right. very much. Awesome. Give it a try. Thank take you. Care. Have a great day. Bye-bye. Bye now. You too. All right. We're going to take a quick break. You're listening to Let's Talk Gardening on QR Calgary. Welcome back to Let's Talk Gardening. I'm Ro Coombs, and I'm here with Terry Kemper. And we're going to see a bit of this. Again, right now our, our plants are transitioning from that um, the dark of winter <laughs> to uh, to our, our spring, the days. And it's just so nice, right? Like 8 o'clock now, it's almost light till at night. So um, it changes so quickly. It does. Um, yeah. It just seems it's it's amazing. But let's go. We got a couple callers on the line. Let's go to All right. Tim. Good morning, Tim. Good morning. Thanks for taking my call. Of course. I, How can I, we help you? Question about our mountain ash tree. We've uh, it's, we've had it planted probably uh, oh probably seven or eight years ago. It's now about a uh, five inch diameter trunk, and it seems like every year there's these suckers that come from the bottom. And I'm just not sure what to do with those. Do I trim them off in the wintertime or wait till the fall or leave them? Or what's the best approach there? Uh, Terry? Yeah, at this point, I mean, that's pretty much all you can do. As a tree that's been planted that long, uh, anytime you get anything that's suckering, um, it's usually we'll see suckering as a reaction to that plant being under some level of stress. So possibly when it was planted, um, it, it got planted a little too deep, and so maybe has you know put some added stress on that on that plant. But I would probably just continue to keep cutting those suckers off, because like I say, short of you know lifting that tree and replanting it, you want to see that um, at the at where the at the base of the trunk. Do you have that flare? In it? can can you see that part of the the tree? It it seems like it's coming out. No, like the suckers are coming out from like below the soil level. Like it's a, it's one main trunk coming up right. and then just these little suckers keep coming up. Yeah. Uh, we, can, we can't treat them with anything systemic to kill them because if we do that, then we kill the whole tree. So I would probably just keep continuing to cut those, those suckers off. My, my thought is that maybe it's just a reaction to it being under some level of, of, uh, of stress. But okay. in eight to 10 years, I mean, why? Timing wise, does it matter what time of year I cut them off, or like when they, as they come, or should I wait till the fall when it's dormant, or when does that? Does as it matter? they come, I would just keep them trimmed off. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Great. Thanks. All for right. The info. Okay. Okay. Thank you. Bye. 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 Um, a lot of that typically when you see a tree suckering, it's typically from being in plant in properly 
planted at the time. Yeah, so a lot of times if, if, if you see them really close to the trunk, typically they've been buried too deep or if they're further out, they're too shallow. So it's, it's, it, it, it is tough. Like when you, when you are planting trees and shrubs, like just to get perfect. I know like in my old house, I had two um, Schubert's one, not a sucker in sight ever. And the other one would get suckers like crazy on the ones like, and it's just, it is frustrating. Right. And they, and the very, um, very hard to tell the difference on how they're planted. Like just a matter of a, a half an inch, maybe even. And it's, uh, it's just kind of crazy how that can do, um, to when you are planting. So we, when we do plant things, we do try to keep the soil at the same existing level as, as the pot, unless you really notice like in the pot that the soil has been eliminated from the top and you see a big crown and that's what you're, you were talking with, um, him about is that you, you're looking for a crown. So if you're seeing some of that, you can bury it up to the bottom of the crown and things like that. But that's, you just don't want to go above that. Cause that's again, where we start seeing some of the problems, um, coming to when we're, when we're planting our things too deep and, or too shallow or too shallow. So, and with evergreens, I always like to, in Calgary, I always like to leave the pot or the basket sticking up an inch or two and mound up to it. Cause the, the easiest way to kill a evergreen, um, junipers or spruce trees, not is when they're buried yeah. too deep. They, they yeah, love absolutely. to be mounted up just a bit. So anyways, we got to take a quick break here for the All news right. again. You're listening to a let's talk gardening on QR Calgary. Welcome back. Let's talk gardening. I'm Earl Coombs, and I'm here with Terry Kemper. We do have a few texts on the line. If you'd like to join us, phone lines are wide open now. Um, we did have artists, but uh, we seem to have lost her. If you want to join us, phone lines are wide open, 403-974-8255. I had a couple people asking about the pruning course. Um, it will be up on our website later today. It should have, I don't know, we missed that. I apologize. It is on our Instagram. If you go to the link in the bio or if you go to Eventbrite um, Tree Pruning Basics, is it's on there as well. You have to sign up through um, Eventbrite. We have a couple of questions here, Terry, regarding um, fertilizer and, and what the numbers are. And also... And here's a text. I know you've said before never to fertilize a dry plant. I'm thinking my house plants. I water them first, but so I don't overwater them. How and when do I fertilize after watering them? I feel I drown them when I fertilize them again. <laughs> also, if I mix fertilizer with the water, how much of a mixture do I pour into the soil? So basically, if you water your plant properly, let it sit for a few hours or whatever. Um, but you're not soaking it through again. So if you give it a couple cups of fertilizer, that's going to be lots, or depending on the size of the pot, you don't need to to drench it in there all over again um, with the fertilizer. So the idea is to get it um, hydrated properly with the water, and then we're going to fertilize with a, a good amount. And so if you have a 10-inch pot, I'd put one or two cups of, of mixture into that into the plant soil, Terry, what what any thoughts on on when you fertilize and how you go about it? Yeah, like you're not using a whole um, uh, can of fertilizer that you mixed up per plant. So, like you said, just a little bit. Um, but she's right; you, you never want to put that fertilizer on dry roots 
because uh, it no. will burn those roots. But I would I would say if she feels like she's drowning her plants, it it might be a, an issue with the kind of soil that she's got her plants in. Um, a, you know, a good quality uh, potting mix should drain uh, effectively and not leave you know uh, kind of a you know a, a, a drowned plant. You shouldn't have a a drowned plant using a good quality potting mix. I guess is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, as long as you're not watering. Should have every drainage. day, or yeah, let it dry in between waterings, and then when you when your fertilizing schedule is, just water normally. Get it, get the soil hydrated again, and then uh, add uh, add your add the fertilizer at that point, and then yeah. you'll be totally, yeah, totally fine, fine and yeah, absolutely. So, I um and and so and for the numbers, Terry, like the up down all around, maybe you want to go through. And uh, explain that um, one of our texts is asking if we could explain the fertilizer numbers again. Sure, yeah, I can do that. Um, so up, down, all around. Uh, up indicates the first number is nitrogen, so that gives us that top growth. So what we're seeing above above the soil line is is what that first number takes care of. It helps that promote that you know that green growth. Um, middle number, uh, phosphorus is uh, that's going to promote root development. So down is the root portion. So that will, and typically, you know, plants need that in, in, in some level of balance to the nitrogen. So like you'll see 20, 20, 20, or 15, 30, 15. When we have 15, 30, 15, it's because we want uh, to promote that root growth, typically things that are flowering. So if you hear us say 15, 30, 15, it's usually something that's going to be in, in that, that flowering world that, that would benefit from that, added, um, <clears throat> from that added nutrient. And then the last number um, all around is potash. So potash contributes to the overall plant growth um, <clears throat> for that plant. So it's, it's kind of working with the other two. It doesn't replace the other two, um, but it, it just kind of looks after all the other things in that plant that the first two numbers aren't, aren't doing. So up, down, all around is a pretty easy way to remember uh, what each of those numbers are doing. Absolutely. And and a good balance. So when we say like a 15, 30, 15, that's what we're doing for, for we're looking for a high middle number. So that's for while you're fruit producing, root crops, yeah, um, flowers. Um, so the flowers in turn create the fruit. So that will typically um, is what we want to do there is and then 2020 is a good all-purpose or if you want some that's more acidic your evergreens um, the 30 10 10 where the, you're looking for a bit more growth and that's where like the 30 10 10 comes into play so we we try to keep it simple and I was chatting with a couple people in there yesterday about the fertilizers um, and we don't like, we we have a couple like an African violet and some other ones, but really it's just the same variation on numbers. So if we're looking for something that's blooming for an African violet, the fifteen thirty fifteen is going to be perfect. Like, you don't need one for each particular plant per se. No, um, it, it's you can get overkill than I. So that's sort of why we we downsized it in our green it up fertilizer lineup to the basics four or five that you need. Because um, if I carried every fertilizer out there, like oh, we'd have that whole wall full of just fertilizer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, 
So anyway, it, it's a little tough to do. So anyways, um, it's, it is fairly basic. And then when you get to the organic, it's a little bit harder to explain as well. Cause you get like a zero one, one or something like the rage. It, it's, it, it, so how do you, how do you go about that, Terry? Like it's a, it is a little bit different. It, it, it is. Um, I know for myself, the way I use rage, uh, I'll use it um, not exclusively on something, but sort of maybe in between uh, regular fertilizings, I'll give it some yeah. rage. So it's still getting the benefit of a uh, rage, I believe, is 006. So <clears throat> predominantly potash. So it's contributing to overall plant health, which is what we kind of always say rage does, helps plants do what they're supposed to do. Uh, but I'll complement it with, you know, some other uh, fertilizer in between fertilizings, like 20, 20, 20, or 15, 30, 15. So it's kind of getting the benefit of sort of both of those uh, fertilizer types. Okay, perfect. All right. Well, that should cover it pretty good on, on the fertilizer. And we do have a caller on the line. And uh, Renee, what's her name? Or her, his, or Ursula. Good morning, Ursula. Oh, good morning. How are you today? We're doing great. Oh, How can wonderful we help you? sunny day again. Um, I'm sure you've heard about the moringa tree and plants. And I wonder, do you have any moringa plants at your store? I would like to have one in my house. And I would like to uh, start using it for the uh, terrible inflammations that I have because apparently the powder that is being used for inflammations and the breakdown in our uh, cell cells on fingers and toes that are painful and different health issues. And uh, yeah, I see that you've heard um, about the moringa. Yeah, we, we yeah, and, and and then we I don't have it in. It, it, it it's quite a larger. It can get to be quite a larger tree. No, I just um, a plant in the house. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So actually, yeah, we don't have them in right now. Let me look into that. And let me see if I can find some, and then we'll mention it here on the show, and uh, and okay. then we can see if you see if we can look at getting that in. It's kind of an interesting, interesting. It's common names. It's also called the the drumstick tree, the horseradish tree, or the ben oil tree. So, oh um, yeah, yeah, right. very beneficial. Right, and those are the kind of things that, as we're aging, that we like to have a little bit more information on. Um, I think apparently it does help for uh, rheumatoid arthritis pain and, you know, osteoarthritis pain, so that would be good because I'm going aging in that area. And so, well, we're all getting there. We're all getting yeah. there. <laughs> <laughs> I want to tell you this interesting story because I use the white willow bark for some of my pain issues. So that's a derivative for the aspirin, correct? And yeah, absolutely. so the aspect, the reason why, how we found out, I think in the 30s, they found out why it was helping for pain because the wolves used to. Uh, when they were in, in, you know, in a fight or something and they were in pain, they would start chewing on the white willow bark. And that's how they found out that it was going to help for yeah, same pain with the, A lot of the deer, that what they do is they'll, uh, when they're doing their rutting, 
and and they'll rut on a lot of the willow trees. It, yes. Because it it, it, it it does has the pain relief on there. So. Isn't that interesting? Absolutely. Well, I'm not going to go after the white willow tree right now. Okay. <laughs> All right. Fine. Thank you for your help. Thank you. So you are going to Take get care. planted. It yeah, I'll, I'll definitely, if it's available, we'll get some in for you. Interesting. Thank, Thank you. Bye-bye. Great show. Bye. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right. Yeah, and 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 I guess with any of this stuff, you got to be careful how you use it and how do you harvest it properly, um, and 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 taking things like this, it's uh, it's a it's vast. Hey, Terry, like when she oh. when she go down that that, uh, yeah, it, it's amazing the different things that that you will find of what the planets. Um, can do for us which is it's 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 pretty cool so anyways we should probably take a quick break and if you'd like to join us after that uh phone lines are wide open 403-974-8255 you're listening to let's talk gardening on qr calgary welcome back let's talk gardening i'm merle coombs and i'm here with terry kemper and we're going to go to the phone line and phone lines are wide open 403 nine seven four eight two five five and let's start gardening is brought to you by spruce it up calories year-round full service garden center spruce it up green it up prune it up we got you covered and we're gonna go again to brian good morning brian hello hi brian how can we help you oh yeah hi i I wanted to transplant some caraganas and some lilac bushes and uh, okay. some of these are, well, they're substantial size. And uh, some of the caraganas, carag- yeah, I don't know, they've probably been sitting in the same place for, well, I'm guessing 20 years or so. And uh, should I cut them down like, like the are tops off? Are you on an acreage or are you... Yeah, are on you, an acreage, uh, yeah. Okay, do you have a, are you, how are you going to do this? Are you, you got a tractor or... Well, there's a guy out here. He's got a one of them scoop things you can go around the tree root. I forgot what they're called. Yeah, does he have a tree spade or or the yeah, scoop on spade, the front yeah. of a? Okay. Yeah, and he puts well, then it on you should be a... fine. They have fairly small, um, fibrous roots, so both of those are going to move really easily. Um, I was going to say if you're trying to do them bare root, like I've done them with a. Uh, like I, I built a pipe. Like we cut a pipe and sort of created a shovel for the front of our tractor, and we used to right. dig them out that way, bare root. But if you're using a tree spade, that's great. Um, I would. You don't need to cut them down unless there's lots of deadwood in them. Then you can okay. cut them right down to the ground and then move them that way, and then just pop it into the ground. And when it grows, it'll just all that energy will go to new growth. Um, but like I said, if it's pretty healthy, I would just leave it the way it is. But you're just going to have – do you have water where you're moving it? Yeah, yeah, there's a dugout here. I'm waiting for all the snow to melt to fill it back up again. Okay, so you'll have access to water to uh, – Yeah, um, I was actually using that all last year when it was so dry out here. And uh, okay. I didn't realize That's how much good water to be... that dugout held until it was about half drained. And then I measured the distance so... That thing's holding a heck of a lot of water. <laughs> oh no, it's amazing how much water they hold and things like that. Um, 
so what I would do is, uh, yeah, just ensure the biggest thing is when you're leaving all the growth up top, it's going to take a lot more water to, to keep it going, um, to okay. fulfill, get the roots maybe going. Maybe if I cut it like, like not off totally, maybe about, I don't know, maybe a top third of it off or something Would that. I, I, no, I would either, if there's, if it's nice and healthy, I'd just leave it. If it's, if there's lots of deadwood and different things in it, I would take it down and just take it right down and just start fresh. Because when you start cutting them halfway, that's where you just you open yourself up for other issues and things like that. So I'd okay. rather just Diseases if it's, if it's healthy. Enter. Yeah. So if you if you especially if you're using a tree spade, you're you're not even going to really notice a whole lot depending on the size of it. It's probably a a 44 inch tree spade if it's on the front of a bobcat or something yeah so you're gonna have probably in front of a bobcat there yeah yeah you're gonna, gonna have too much issue at all so all right just uh, do it as early as you can as some the of the other thawed. trees that are out here there's all kinds of debris that's settled in amongst the the plant itself like all the leaves and whatnot that have been falling should i clean all that stuff out or just let it go like these um, again you can are definitely like, uh, shrub type trees right yeah you can definitely clean them up so try it and get hurt. as much of that stuff out of there as possible then eh? yeah absolutely okay all right good thank you very much all right take care okay bye 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 yeah it's uh and terry like when you're when there's some people are like I said if you're on a farm or different places and you have access to stuff like that Especially on the shrubs, like a big, probably it's probably a velocia or common lilac. So yep. just really, they don't have big deep roots. It's a lot of fibrous. Same with the common caragana. I've moved hundreds of them, and and I remember just digging them out with a scoop, put them on a trailer, drive to the next spot, take them off the trailer, put them in the ground, dig a hole, put them in, and um, as long as you're watering them, get them going for the first bit. Um, really gonna have really good success with that. So. Yeah, two really, really um, tough just, plants there. Yeah, so they probably, probably won't even know that they've moved. No, absolutely. Um, so if you, and, and it doesn't hurt at that point, too. And uh, Brian, when you do do that, um, water them really well. Hit them with a couple shots of the 10-52-10 or 15-30-15. Again, something with a higher middle number or Rage Plus. Just help get those roots going. And uh, and and get them going on that it makes a big big difference, um, just to help them transition through that shock and and do it early in the morning if you can. And I was trying to say just before we got cut off to them, is is do it as early in the year as possible. Sort of when the ground's thawed, you get the tree spade in there before it leaves out, and then once it's put in that new spot, and uh, you won't even notice that uh, what's happened at that point. So. Anyways, um, that's always the fun part of, of the gardening is the moving of stuff, Terry. So what about perennials? When's the best time for people to start moving perennials and things? Uh, perennials are generally whenever the, <clears throat> sort of a good rule is whenever it blooms, that's the opposite season to, to, to move it. So say bleeding hearts, for example, spring blooming, yeah. let them bloom. Um, and then go dormant and then move those later in the summer into the fall. Um, any of the fall blooming stuff, I would probably start to look at uh, moving that in the spring. So that's sort of the general rule I use for uh, for perennials. 
uh, okay. just based on Perfect. when the bloom time is. Okay. So maybe just recap that again. So spring blooming, you want to move? Yeah, so spring blooming things, will wait, let them do their thing, move those in the fall. Anything that okay. is fall blooming, we'll typically divide those and um, move those around uh, in the spring. Okay, perfect. Yeah. So that's pretty straightforward. Yeah. And should be generally, able to, that's a uh, sort of general, generally good rule to, to follow when it comes to, to our perennials. Okay, cool. All right. Again, if you'd like to join us, phone lines are wide open, 403-974-8255. If you'd like to join us, phone lines are wide open. Um, we got a few texts that I think we should probably go over. I think I pruned my clancho too much. Got it from Mother's Day 2020, and it bloomed and bloomed. I snipped off the bloom stalks, and when the blossoms died off, it now has many branches. It didn't bloom at all last spring or summer, despite repotting new soil, feeding. Um, with high, should I chop it back? Um, actually, yeah, we just did that um, again, and it should make sure it has lots of light. The Calancho is a succulent type plant; it likes the light, so just ensure that you're getting lots of light on there, and with the blooming that you're doing, you should see it. Because I know in our greenhouse. Um, we hadn't pruned off the blooms and we, we just snipped those back there a few weeks ago and now they're all starting to bloom again like crazy. So I, w I would definitely look at uh, just ensuring that you get lots of light and give that a shot one more time before we um, start taking cuttings and stuff. But they will propagate fairly easy if you do want to do that as well. All right, and here's one more quick one. My Xmas cactus has wrinkly leaves and is limp and unhealthy looking. What can I do? Um, I would probably pinch some of the outer branch. I would probably transplant it into some fresh soil and 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 water it well and ensure it gets into a nice bright spot, and then that should perk right back up. We're going to take a quick break for the news. You're listening to Let's Talk Gardening on QR Calgary. Welcome back to Let's Talk Gardening. I'm Earl Coombs, and I'm here with Terry Kemper. And we're getting a few texts and a couple calls. Let's go to Sylvia. Good morning, Sylvia. Good morning, Merle. Um, I have hi a, there. Hi there. Um, I have a cutting of a pineapple. I'm going to try and grow it into a house plant. Um, okay. And it's nicely rooted on the bottom. And I uh, just do I need what kind of uh, soil do I need for that? I would just get into a just a good quality um, tropical plant, house plant uh, soil, indoor potting soil would be perfect for that. Okay, and, uh, and just watch you don't plant it too deep like this when you when you put it in there. Just go underneath the crown, like just like we get the roots in there. Just don't bury it too deep. Okay, and, and will I take uh, the outer um, leaves off, like the outer? I would take a couple rows off. Yes, off the bottom. Okay. I still leave a bunch of the leaves, but you can take the bottom couple oh. rows off. Okay. Is it a fairly a slow-growing plant, or would it? Yeah, um, a little bit. It depends. If you have lots of light, um, they can get going pretty good. You'll probably be a good year and a half, two years before you see any pineapples, though. But yes. I've uh, lots of light. And, and I just wanted totally it as fun. a plant, just as, you know, to try something. And, and yeah. Um, yeah, and... Uh, would I need it to put it in a larger pot or just leave it in like in about six inch pod? 
Yeah, I would probably go um, start out in a six inch, and then probably because they get fairly top heavy. So I'd probably or either that or go right into a eight or a ten inch pot to begin okay. with. Okay, that sounds um, very good. Okay, thank you so much. Because they become quite top heavy, and they'll tip yeah. over on you quite easily. So we'll see how it goes then. Thank you very Absolutely. much. Absolutely. Thanks. Bye bye. Hey Terry, I got a text here for you. We are planting, planning to plant a row of trees. Um, on our south left, south Lethbridge yard, so we have so we have winter privacy. The spot faces southeast. We likely need eight, eight or so trees. We will plant beside the fence of the house, just ten feet away from the narrowest point. We know we're zone three. This is a bit of a wind tunnel. Is there a juniper that might work here? Um, probably not to your eighty, but. Um, they they will grow a bit, hey Terry. What else what would what, what would you recommend uh for them? And down in Lethbridge they, they, they have a good growing thing down there, lots of nice healthy looking plants. So any suggestions for Michelle and Marty? Yeah, the wind is the trick, eh? Um and I guess it all depends on to what height do they need that that privacy. You know, like is with Scopulorum juniper, the upright junipers like they're talking. Um yeah. you're gonna get you're going to get some height with that, uh, you know, in that eight to ten feet plus range, depending on the, the cultivar that you're putting in there. Yeah, so, it just takes so long. That's my only like maybe if they want to do like a maybe a row of gladiators first, and then maybe just put some accent of some evergreens in front of them or something. It just yeah. and I know that you're not getting total privacy, but the branching still gives you winter privacy. Like it, it's kind of a you're, you. You got to look through a screen a bit. Um, I just, it's unfortunate. Like I, I, like I go to my brother's place and he lives in Kelowna and he has a pool, and he has twenty foot cedars all the way around his pool and he trims them back and they grow like, like it's just this wall of green, right? <laughs> and and we just we can't do that here. It just no. it's it's just and it it would take forever. Like it would just like. I, to get a 20 foot or a 10 15 foot evergreen um a juniper you're you're a good 15 years oh yeah they're gonna be there a while or more the, <laughs> exactly yeah um i was going to suggest um with the, if they're planting eight to ten trees something like that i would definitely like you, you mentioned gladiator uh i would definitely mix up the planting with at least maybe two or three different cultivars um, and not yeah. go with a mono, monoculture of, you know, eight or ten of the same plant. Uh, I think just if there, if there ever is anything that, you know, they succumb to, uh, you're not losing everything that you've planted in that way, right? So if your whatever's get, um, happen to get diseased, then you're only, you know, out those three or four plants, not all eight or ten. So, but, um, I would probably look at, you know, if they're only looking like for that eight to ten foot uh, height, and they want something fast too, I might look at lilacs as well because they're super tough. Uh, I wasn't a fan of lilacs for a lot of years, but I've sort of come around to uh, to see what they can do, and they they just do so well here for us. They give us the you know that privacy. Eight to ten feet, you're going to get you know four or five feet over the top of the fence uh, for, for privacy. So uh, lots of times that suffices. You don't need, you know, huge, big 30, 40, uh, foot trees. To yeah. get the so you need. And the reason I went to the gladiator, they did say they're planting up against the fence. So I'm assuming the bottom six feet, they're going to have the privacy with the fence. 
tall, narrow. Um, yeah. Unless it's a unless it's a chain link. So I was thinking if we could take advantage of the canopy of like a starlight uh, ornamental crab, the gladiator, ivory silk lilac, um, a few of those other ones that can uh, c that can give you that narrow privacy that can stay quite tight for you. Even um, some of the fruit trees, if you want to end up with a bit of fruit on them, yep. um, you could go to some of those as well and uh, and get that. And, and, and you could go some... to the Swedish columnar aspen if you really just want the, you could plant yep. three or four tight together yep. and, uh, and give you that uh, instant block that, uh, and, and they grow quite thick and they do create decent winter privacy as well. Yeah, for sure they do. Yeah, they do a pretty good job of that. Absolutely. Okay. All right. The, Let's go to the phone lines. We're going to go to Carol. Good morning, Carol. Good morning, Merle. How are you? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm doing well, Merle. I have a question. Okay, I have some uh, I have some fairly old Carl Foresters, and you know yep. how they die and rot in the center? My neighbor told yep. me I could dig them up and sort of turn them back on themselves and take out that rotted section and replant yep. them. Does that sound like a, a deal? <laughs> a thing I can yeah, do? And here, but I'll, t I'll, t I'll tell you a little trick on this, though. you got to say to your neighbor that they need to come out and show you how to do it, the first couple, and then uh, <laughs> <laughs> now you get them doing the digging for you. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good plan. I know because she's, well, go. she's always got these amazing suggestions for me, but then goes back in the house. <laughs> yeah, so to say, hey, I don't, I don't really quite understand. I don't, I don't understand. Get it. Can you show this to me? That's a good idea. Yeah. Oh, there the other go. thing is, um, uh, the other thing is, um, you were, uh, you were talking to this man that had uh, uh, Cardana, and I think I forget the other thing he wanted to dig out. Lilacs. Um, lilac. Okay. I, uh, I had a Miss Kim that I was trying to. Um, Get out and move! Holy cow, that thing took me all day with a shovel. So I guess he's, he's absolutely. So yeah, and that's work. why I was asking him whether he had a machine or that. Because doing it by hand, it is a hard go because there's lots of roots on the top. They just don't have the super deep root, but you still have to get a good clump of it. I know um, they especially had, on the mint. Yeah, the Miss yeah. Kim especially as well. Oh, it was a, it was I pardon yeah it was a it was a nasty experience and when he was talking about that I thought oh no because I like I said it took me all day the other thing is I'm looking for I think it's called a black beauty bug bane or bane berry I can't find it anywhere do you Terry are, do you have any clue of this I, Terry will answer us on that if he has it <laughs> um, yeah we did have some black beauty um, at the store last year so it's a uh, kind of a part sunshade plant, the Simisifuga, uh, beautiful oh, yes. dark, dark yes. dark leaves on them. So, yep, uh, and, and we, it gets pink spires on the top. Yeah, and quite, nice quite, purple. A, quite a pretty perennial for sure. So, um, yeah, and I'm, I'm planning on planting it with um, Annabelle hydrangeas. Oh, nice, yeah. The, the light condition would be great for, for um for Annabelle's because they'll do um, better with that part sunshade. So yeah, uh, good, good, good pairing there. Yeah. Yeah, it should be great. And then plus the lime green leaves from the Annabelle against the the dark purple with the uh, bean as a bug bean should be beautiful. I think. Yeah, I don't know. quite quite pretty. Okay, good. Well, thank you so much for your help. You guys have uh, helped me out a lot. And when I'm sorry, I, 
when should I dig out the uh, car horses? Anytime? Or no, early the... spring. Like soon as you can, soon as the soon as the ground starts to thaw and you're able to dig through the. Um, before it really gets grown, is it's much easier because then that way you're not going to waste any of the energy on on growth and that. So you can pull up at that point, split it up, remove all the dead stuff in the middle, um, and then you can you can even split it into two or three if you need, depending on the size of the clump that you're going to have. So you could end up with a couple, two or three of them, and uh, and plant them in in the same spot or add them into some other areas as well. Okay, one more question, uh, just out of curiosity. It looks like what it's doing is it's rotting in the center. Does that mean it's too much water, or is that just a natural process? Just a natural process. They get As they get old, they start dying off in the center. Okay, good, because I was wondering. I thought, oh, I might be watering them too much, because it's damp, nope. and you can pull it out, and you can pull it out in clumps. Yeah, yeah, if you are watering, they maybe check that, but... Typically, you'll see that as they get older, they start dying off in the center. So typically, that's the time when we, you go in with a good sharp shovel and you can just cut right down the center, dig out a couple sections of it, uh, separate it, clean out the dead stuff, and then retransplant it. Just ensure okay. it's not planted too deep when you do it the next time. And, uh, and then that will also help with some of the rot as well. Okay, great. Thank you so much. For that. I'm, a, I'm a dedicated listener here, and I'm, people are getting so sick of hearing your name. <laughs> Merle Coombe says this. <laughs> Merle Coombe says that. <laughs> All right. I appreciate it. Thanks. Okay, Spread the word. Care. Spread I, the word. I am spreading the word. Right. You know, I guess, yeah, right. Spruce it up is the place. Okay, thank you so much. Thanks, Carol. Bye-bye. Bye. All right. All right. Um, and and I, I do enjoy it. I meet so many people um, that come into the store and say hi. So if you do see me in there, um, say hi. I I totally enjoy getting to chat and and uh, and different things. So yeah, always fun. And uh, and now we have uh, you have my partner here, Terry. You can chat with him as well. He uh, he'll be uh, he's always out in the tree lot in the perennial house. So uh, easy to find. Don't be yeah. afraid. Absolutely. Um, where are we at? We probably actually we probably need to take a break here. And uh, and when we get back, um, phone lines are wide open, 403-974-8255. You're listening to Let's Talk Gardening on QR Calgary. Welcome back to Let's Talk Gardening. I'm Earl Coombs, and I'm here with Terry Kemper, and we have Dawn on the line. Good morning, Dawn. Hi, Dawn. Hey, Dawn, how can we help you? Hi, Don. Maybe not. I'm able to just put Don back on hold, and I'll do a couple texts, and we'll go back to him if he's still there. All right. Got a quick text here, Terry. It says, good morning. Our Ketone Aster is about eight feet tall. How far should one trim the hedge down and when to do it? Well, you can do it at any time, and really the height, I would really depend on. If it's nice and healthy, and to get a Ketone Aster eight feet, um, you probably just depending on what you're what you're trying to do is is probably just want to trim out the dead, trim it up a bit, keep it thick, and just sort of tighten it up. I wouldn't go too deep. Um, if it's in need of rejuvenation, I would um, take it right down to the ground. And so, depending on how much dead wood you got, Blair is is really the answer because um, it, it it's hard on those Terry right thoughts. Um, yeah, it, it, it is hard on them. So, um, 
No, I don't think I can add anything to what you've given there, Merle. Okay. Yeah, so like I said, that's and, – and, and the Katoni answer is just to get it that high, which is phenomenal already. So you yeah. might even just want to remove a bunch of the dead wood in the center of it as well. If there's a bunch that's just been – you can probably just thin it out as well and yeah, uh, ensure that you kind of reverse shape it where a lot of times when you get a hedge that high, you'll have it go wider to the top. Try and get it narrow at the top and work your way down a little bit more pyramid-shaped. Um, and then that way, the bottom part of your hedge will get the sunlight as well. Because a lot of times when it's that high, you tend to, when you're trimming, you're going up and you go outwards. So it tends to flare at the top. Um, so and this way... And that foliage at the bottom suffers a little bit, yeah. Yeah, it just isn't getting the light, so... Yeah, the one um, thing about that plant, the Cotone Aster, I mean, it's it's a pretty tough, pretty forgiving plant. So um, there almost isn't anything you can do that's going to be detrimental to it but no you're right if you're if you're pruning and shaping it uh, for a hedge and it's not just a single specimen um try and prune it up a little tighter at the top and wider at the base so you're getting that sunlight right to the bottom of the tree or the or to the shrub. absolutely yeah absolutely and we got to, we had to take another quick break you're listening to let's talk gardening on qr calgary back to let's talk gardening i'm Earl coombs and i'm eric terry kemper and we're going to go back to Don. He is there. Good morning, Don. Yeah, hello. How are you doing? Good, good. How can we help you? Yeah, I live on an acreage there, and uh, we really don't have all that much water to spare. And I've got a bunch of park grass areas here. So what I try and do is uh, keep a bunch of fertilizer on site here so that if I know that a rain's coming in, then I'll spread it about and then try and make the best of it. But But what is the... What is a good mix for fertilizer? Well, actually, and that's our Green It Up lawn fertilizers, and that's why I created it um, for our area. It has a higher middle number. Um, so when we created it, most of the box store, the fertilizers that you're getting are all like 3204. Um, and it's all nitrogen up top, so it'll get it green when it, when you, when you water it. It'll get green right away. It all looks great, but then as soon as it heats up, there's just there's no fertilizer in there for the root system, so there's it doesn't build anything up. So there's nothing to sustain it. So our mixture, um, we have a high middle number. So what we've done is we created the root system to go down nice and deep. So it's you water about half as much and you get that sustainable, nice green and you get a really good, strong root system to get you through those dry areas. Another thing on an acreage, I always recommend people like you don't mow everything. Like kind of go like out from the house, go maybe 50 to 100 feet out and kind of maybe get creative with the lawnmower, like maybe do some curves and cut a perimeter around the house and then let the rest grow nice and long because then it looks kind of nice you get the grass weave waving in the wind and and stuff like that so that's another alternative so you're not trying to keep like four acres or depending on how big yeah. acreage you have um going so just do a bit more perimeter it's similar to the look of a like when you go by heritage point golf course like they they have the fairway mode through the nice grass area but then the rest of it grows nice and long and you get that nice look um and uh and and it's a good way to to do it without having to mow the whole four acres yeah or whatever now, does, you got. That, does that fertilizer there uh will it burn yeah, let's say like I said, if you I, put I it down too heavy in one spot, but as long as it's applied properly, absolutely, it will not, it won't burn. 
Um, okay. So you can put it down, you spread it properly. It's just if you if you dump a whole handful like or a cupful right in one spot, it will burn. Any of the fertilizers will. Um, and again, so you just got to ensure that if you spread it out properly with a good spreader, like when you stop, make sure you turn it off and don't let it keep running down on the ground because yeah. that's where you'll get those burn spots. But as long as it's spread properly, absolutely no issues. So, Okay, one more question right. related to your uh, response there. That, um, okay. that, that grass that, that people are putting in, like in the Oak Tokes uh, entry boulevards, the roadways? Yeah. Yeah, Carl Forrester's in that. Yeah. Can I just spread seed in the in the existing grass and will it pick up or not? Um, yeah, a lot of it you can top dress if you're trying to do a fescue. Are you talking about those tall ornamental grasses that you kind of see in the perimeter? Because those are yeah. that's a Carl Forrester type grass. Um, yeah, I'm not. I haven't seen the seed for that. Have you, Terry? No, it it, it can't be grown. It uh, has to be propagated by division. Um, there isn't a Carl Forrester seed. Okay. Well, what would be the closest thing there that where a guy could so, just spread it around in that I spreader? I would look at some of the um, fescue-based lawn uh, mixes like the Envirolon. Uh, fescue is going to be a nice deep root system, and it's going to work really well on an acreage. Uh, initially, it'll take a little bit more water getting that established. But once it's up and running, it's going to be fantastic for you. You'll yeah, uh, we have bigger bags of it. It's called Eco yeah. Lawn, and it's it's it, and it is a bit pricier because it it's all seed though. There's no filler. It's all yeah. the good quality fescue. So, uh, okay, um, I'm heading in the right direction here. Okay, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. So shrink the mowing if you want to mix some fescues, and even our sod and that has fescues mixed into it now because we are oh. trying to get away, trying to find stuff that's a little bit more drought tolerant. Um, so if you can do that, you'll be totally fine. Okay. And with our much. fertilizer, you're you're off to the races. All right. Thank you. Take care. All, All right. right. Let's we can go to Jessica really quick. We got one minute. Um, hi, Jessica. Oh, Jess is gone. All right. So a couple quick questions here, Terry. Um, have had a few people asking about: uh, Is it okay to trim off larger um, branches off your trees at this time? Yeah, absolutely it is. If if they've got some dead disease damaged or I would not hesitate now to uh, to get those trimmed up. Just that when you do on larger branches, don't start your first cut right at the the trunk. Go out, you know, a foot or two away, uh, trim that and then do your final cut. Uh you're going to minimize the weight and tear uh, of that bark, so that would be my tip for that. Just don't do it all at once. Break it up. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and I got a quick text here. How do people recognize you in the store? Um, I'm usually the one talking too much loud and people recognize <laughs> my voice. So anyways, it just, she goes, oh, you're, you're the one with a shirt that says, hi, I'm Merle. I said, no, I don't have that. But anyways, people seem to find me pretty easily. I guess I stand <laughs> out. All right. Anyways, thanks, Terry. And right. uh, we'll get our garden on next week right here on QR Calgary.